This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 109. Welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Kelly Hurst. Hi, Kelly. This is Brett Hurst. And we're marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. I can hardly wait. Yay! Well, today's episode is called The Pursuer Distancer Dance. Hmm. Not an easy thing to say. Pursuer distancer dance. It doesn't doesn't just roll off the tongue. It doesn't. Nor will this definition probably roll off the tongue, but we're going to give it a shot. So in a lot of relationships, one partner has a tendency to have a desire for more closeness, Mm -hmm. while the other partner has a little more need for distance. Mm -hmm. This pattern is known as the pursuer distancer dynamic. Now, I don't know if every single couple has this. I think a lot of them do. I don't know that everyone does. I would venture to guess that the majority has some noticeable difference. Yeah. Anecdotally, the couples you and I have taught and worked with Mm -hmm. fall somewhere on this category. This is true. So, The simple breakdown, you know, not that it's this is not rocket science to understand, but just in case you've never heard of this term before, the simple breakdown is partner A tends to pursue partner B, okay, which causes partner B to distance a bit from partner A. So in this case, partner A is the pursuer. That's right. Partner B is the distancer. There you go. Right. And then it just sort of catches itself and becomes a pattern mm-hmm. because the more partner B distances, right. the more partner A pursues and on and on and on and so right. on and it so on. It just starts a flywheel that <laughs> picks up speed. Yeah. So here's a quote from Harriet Lerner, who's one of my favorite relationship PhDs. She's written a ton of books. She says, quote, pursuing and distancing are normal ways that humans navigate relationships under stress. And one is not better or worse than the other. Pursuing is not better than distancing or vice versa. Exactly. A problem occurs only when a pattern of pursuing and distancing becomes entrenched. And when this happens, the behavior of each partner provokes and maintains the behavior of the other. In other words, however we are kind of conditioned to react, respond mm-hmm. That's how we keep doing it, which causes the other person to keep doing it. (laughs) Kind of of becomes your role. Exactly. Right. So before we kind of get into like, what do you do about this? If you find yourself in these kind of very opposite categories is if you're part of a couple where you say, yeah, I think that's kind of our pattern. One of us tends to pursue. One of us tends to distance. You could, you know, ask yourself these questions. Which one are you? You know, start there. Right. Do you tend to want your relationship to be closer than it is? Or do you feel like your partner is close enough, maybe too close for comfort? (laughs) (laughs) If it's you who wants more closeness, how do you go about trying to get it? Mm -hmm. Do you find yourself kind of pursuing, pursuing, pursuing? Mm -hmm. Or if you'd prefer some distance, how do you try to create more separation? Mm hmm kind of a catch 22 situation. Yeah. And then eventually we always ask the question, how is it working for you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, every person and every couple needs two elements, autonomy and closeness. Okay. Define those. 
Well, we need autonomy because we are individuals in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So we, we have need... to have some separateness. Right. Yeah. And the ability to make our own decisions and yeah. have some independence. And... Yeah. Because we don't want to be a couple who is fused, mm-hmm. you know, where they just can't even make mm-hmm. a move without the other person. Right. That's right. not healthy. But then you can be too. What did I say? Autonomous. Autonomous. Yeah. You can be too autonomous Mm -hmm. where. Too independent. It's Yeah. You don't even really function as a couple. Right. You just function kind of as two people in the world. Well, you're in danger of moving away from intimacy. Right. Exactly. So you need both and a healthy measure of both Mm -hmm. for the relationship to work well. So some typical thought patterns of people who are distancers, they tend to feel a little intruded on Mm -hmm. by their pursuer partner. They tend to want more space. Their thought pattern tends to go, he's getting too attached. (laughs) Uh Things are too close. I can't breathe. I need some space. Uh She or he expects too much from me. Those are the kind of thought patterns that a distancer tends to have. Mm -hmm. Pursuers tend to have an inner voice that says, why doesn't he want to spend time with me? Mm -hmm. What's wrong with me? Yeah. Or "I, I need to press harder so that. I can find out how much he or she cares about me. Mm-hmm. You know, how can I make him love me more? How can I make her care about me more? Sometimes in a panic driven yes. kind of approach, which makes things worse than better. Yeah. And what I think I agree with Harriet Lerner that, you know, it's kind of a normal way of doing things, but it becomes problematic when you let it go unchecked and you never talk about it. Mm-hmm. I think the healthiest couples, at least anecdotally, and I can speak for us, Brett, the more we recognize a pattern and the more we can learn language and vocabulary around that pattern, mm-hmm. the better we do, I think. Would you, do you think that? Yeah. By I the think... way, I, our audience is hearing a phone go off in the background. It's no big deal. <laughs> oh, well, so was I. <laughs> You're distracted. Figure out what that was. Yeah. Do you think that it's it, that it's not necessarily problematic if you can recognize what it is and yeah and do things to meet the other person where they are. Right. Yeah. I guess I want to say a couple of things. One is a pursuer or a distancer. Neither one is more virtuous or non-virtuous exactly. than the other. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I will say is I think this can change. Okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can start in one pattern mm-hmm. and it can flip later on. Yeah, I, I, yeah that's I, probably true. I think we've seen that in a lot of couples lives. I think we've seen it in our own marriage. Yeah, I tend to think that this shows up in two ways in marriage. I think it shows up around conflict mm-hmm. and it shows up around intimacy. OK, so and I also do think that, well, I'll get back to that in a minute. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. So the distancer pursuer dynamic It can cause some problems because it can lead to an inequality Mm -hmm. in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, distancers often have more power. Mm -hmm. So there's the power of no again. Yeah. It's the power of withholding affection Mm -hmm. or avoiding intimacy or controlling how much closeness there is Mm -hmm. between partners. So like you said, like just when we talk about the sexually low desire, high Mm -hmm. desire couple, the Mm -hmm. low desire person tends to have the sexual power Mm -hmm. this there's a little bit of that going on here too so the person who's the distancer probably really needs to hear what we're saying today because well both do Mm -hmm. but the distancer because they have more power needs to probably pay extra attention i agree i think understanding that this 
has to do with anxiety Mm -hmm. and how we behave when we get stirred up or when we get anxious about something. The pursuer, a lot of times, can come on stronger than they realize because they're in pursuit mode. And what they don't realize is that when their partner senses that they're in pursuit mode, Mm -hmm. they get in distance mode. Right. So the very thing that you're trying to press in on Mm -hmm. is going to probably push your partner a little further away. So if the pursuer can kind of get out of the the sky is falling mentality, you know, or or a scarcity mentality or anything like that, things are going to go better. Yeah. The distancer tends to when they're feeling anxious or under stress, they tend to retreat seek out alone time, Mm -hmm. feel more independent. They want to lean into that. Mm -hmm. And that just causes the pursuer to keep chasing after them. Mm -hmm. So would you say that the distancer's anxiety is more related to a fear of not getting enough free time? or Maybe a fear of being overwhelmed or a fear of being overtaken. Mm-hmm. I think really this goes hmm, back to, and, yeah, and Psychology that. Today magazine agrees with me, that this has a lot to well, do with our... <laughs> well, so, if Psychology Today agrees with you. <laughs> our attachment patterns are things that we learn as very, very young children mm-hmm. with our caregivers. And so let me give you just a couple of examples and see if these kind of ring true. Attachment patterns are formed when our primary caretakers, the dance that happens with our primary caretakers when we're very, very young, Mm -hmm. that tends to be repeated. That tends to because that's how we learn. Right. And so if you grew up with a parent, let's say, who was just very inconsistently available, Mm -hmm. maybe sometimes our needs were met. Maybe sometimes we felt rejected or Mm -hmm. neglected. We may have what's called an anxious attachment pattern, Mm -hmm. meaning that we learned as a young age that in order to have our parent give us attention, we had to make that happen. Mm -hmm. We had to either act out in a negative way or we had to, you know, we had to pull them in somehow. There was some responsibility that that person had to make things happen. Yes. And then that tends to play out in our adult relationships. Mm -hmm. And so we can sometimes feel emotionally hungry, Mm -hmm. a little bit insecure, maybe a little clingy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we look to our romantic partner to be the person that completes us, rescues us, or makes us feel reassured and secure. Yeah. And none of those is that person really able to do that person can't complete you that person can't rescue you and if you're married if you're a pursuer and you're married to a distancer Mm -hmm. they really are going to feel overloaded when you come on strong Mm -hmm. either requesting affection that you know not begging but you know pursuing for affection or pursuing in conflict that's why i say i think intimacy and conflict are the two places this shows up the most yeah so a partner who's a pursuer recognizes there's something wrong in the relationship and they just go in, lean in. We got to fix this. We got to figure it out. And the distancer is like, no, this is too much. You know, Mm -hmm. I can't deal right now. So on the other hand, if you grew up with a parent who was very distant, unavailable, really had a hard time being attuned to -hmm. you as a child, then what's common is you learn to cut off your needs altogether Mm -hmm. because it was too painful or too frustrating to have those needs go unmet. That didn't work. It was painful. Subconsciously. So I'm just act like I have no needs. That's right. Yeah. And so then we can form what is called an avoidant attachment pattern mm-hmm. as a kid. 
And then that follows us into our adult relationships. We may have the tendency to emotionally distance ourselves from our partner. We seek out isolation. We want to be independent because we don't want to have needs. Mm -hmm. Well, you're not going to set yourself up to be vulnerable in a way that you're going to be hurt like you were in those formative years. Exactly. And you might not even be able, you may be in a relationship that's pursuer distancer and you may not have a super strong connection to either of those childhood Mm -hmm. experiences, but it is helpful to try to connect the dots if you did, Mm -hmm. because I think there's just no way we, how we were loved and how we were attached as children. It has to follow us into adulthood. I totally agree. But to your point, it could also be instead, or in addition, it could be things that are more related to your current environment, situation at work, situation with your caring for aging parents or it's all kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. So the question always comes to, okay, so we recognize we're in a pursuer distancer. Mm -hmm. What do we do to make sure we're improving things? Yeah. I think just like we always say, we've said it a million times on this podcast, you can't control your partner. Yep. So, but recognizing that we both do things to perpetuate the cycle, Mm -hmm. then I think we can ask ourselves, okay, what can I do to keep my side of the street clean Mm -hmm. to behave in a healthy way? I think the first thing is you can talk openly about the pattern with each other without blaming each other. Right. Here's our cycle. Here's Here's our our cycle. Here's our routine. Yeah. Like I happen to, I, I know of a couple that we worked with a while back who he was the distancer. She was the pursuer. Uh huh. And whenever they would, they recognized their pattern. They were pretty good at talking about it. But I noticed that she would blame him. She had sort of negatively labeled him Mm -hmm. like, well, you just don't have needs. Right. You know, and it was almost like, uh, that's probably true. But the way she was talking about it was not drawing him in in any way. It was only pushing him away, I think. Well, it may or may not have been true. I mean, he may very well. Everybody's got needs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but he may have established a long-term lifetime pattern of Mm -hmm. not being in touch with those needs. Exactly. So I think talking openly about it, learning kind of some vocabulary and language is really helpful. I also think it's helpful to start noticing how the cycle begins. Mm -hmm. If you can figure that part out, like what kicks it into gear? Yeah. What am I doing the minute before my partner does that thing? I don't like Mm -hmm. in this Context. In this context, yeah. you know, am I nagging? I hate the word nag. I feel like it's so old fashioned, but <laughs> you know, am I pressing in too hard? Am I, instead of asking directly what I, for what I want, uh-huh. am I, which being, is more of a smothering way of being rather than just being more informational? Yeah. Or am I criticizing right. my spouse for being the way he or she is? Mm-hmm. You know, do I have a tone that's inviting versus critical and harsh and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Or as a distancer, you know, am I avoiding eye contact and resisting affection? And that's causing the pursuit to happen, right? you know. Because it Um, takes two to tango in this cycle. Yeah. I just really think the more curious and non-defensive we can be, the more we will move toward each other in a healthy way. We still may have our pursuer distancer thing. Mm -hmm. Like I think you and I are pretty good about talking about this, but because in our house, I think the way it works is you tend to be the pursuer. I tend to be the distancer. But I think early in our relationship, even before we were married, it was the other way around. Yeah, you might be right. Mm -hmm. And so again, not assuming the other one is right or wrong Mm -hmm. or that my own way is right or wrong. Right. 
And because we love each other, we want to meet in the middle right. and figure out how we show that to each other. But to your point, just what's our pattern? Yeah. What kicks it into gear? Right. How can we diffuse any emotional criticism right. related to it and just effectively yeah. talk about what is and how do we... And work. how am I, how am I legitimately contributing to this pattern? Right, because both people are doing it. Correct, They're, we're doing a dance. Yes, and then lastly, you know, this is a question I think that's been really helpful for a lot of couples. We've asked it at retreats and when we do tune ups with couples is, what is it like to be married to me? <laughs> you know, I think it's a helpful. I'm, exercise. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at me. <laughs> I would I wouldn't want to be married to me. <laughs> I think it's a helpful exercise to think of yourself as a third objective party. Uh-huh watching you and your spouse in a pattern. Mm -hmm. Like if someone were to walk in and just quietly watch this pattern, how would they describe it? Mm -hmm. You know, because I think we, I don't know, we, we just tend to think, well, our way is the right way of doing it. Maybe not. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of that going on. Okay. So was that confusing or helpful? Do you think? No, I think it's good. It's a little, you know, it took a little nuancing to (laughs) unpack it, but I think it's, I think it's very helpful. It's it's good information. I do too. I think your point about just being non-defensive and laying it out, it just always comes back to communication. Yeah. Doesn't it? I mean, you you have to be able to say what is so Mm -hmm. in your marriage. And as scripture says, speak the truth in love so that you can just establish what's really happening and then move forward in a positive way. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. And if you're enjoying Marriage to the Max, help us keep it going by supporting Home Encouragement. Oh, I'm so enjoying it. Just go to homeencouragement.org and click the donate button because any amount helps. And also, we would be thrilled if you would rate us and write a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps Marriage to the Max have a lot more visibility. Well, thanks for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all. Thank you.